it's all this shit. CD phone home. My God, he's talking. Oh. ET phone home? ET phone home. It's your motherfucking boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Pacey Twitter, aka Four Eye Willie, aka Spike Singleton, aka Thick Moranis, because honey, I don't give a fuck about them kids, aka Glub Shadow, aka Java the Smut, coming at you with a new episode of We Should Do This Again Sometime. In our original episode to kick off this season, I didn't fully articulate how this new season of we should do this and get some time would go previous seasons when me and cat kind of planned episodes out we kind of get a feel on what we wanted to cover whether it's kind of reaching back in the past or kind of covering current films but this season is going to be a little bit different kind of had the goal in curating this season was to save the 80s for cat chinetti and the thought behind this was in our previous seasons we primarily talked in the 80s and I happily refer to it as the cocaine decade because just a lot of bad decisions were made. Some awesome, you know, like RoboCop and, you know, from my perspective, A Nightmare on Elm Street, but Cat may not agree to that. But for the most part, the 80s were, you know, pretty big spectacle. I think we can kind of all agree that the 80s were sort of a down decade. If you kind of look at sort of the 60s in American films, Unless you're talking about French New Wave, the 60s weren't really kind, but we got a really big boom of 70s incredible films and pictures. But then when the 80s came and the rise of computer graphics, fantasy, but also films like Faces of Death and the rise of Slasher, straight to video, you know, it it birthed a lot of bad releases. Uh, We did rebound in the 90s. Uh, but in the 2000s, you know, really kind of cyclical. So this season is more so trying to pinpoint the cream of the crop in the 80s. Uh, so we really won't touch on a lot of cocaine 80s films this season, but we are going to touch on a lot of quality films. We also are going to touch on some current films when we get uh, more closer to Halloween Kills. And <laughs> as we alluded to a little bit in the previous episode, don't worry, darling. So, hope you guys enjoyed the previous episode and enjoy this episode. And thanks for listening. Love you. Peace. Bye. Why don't we start with E.T. And then we can we can start with friendly aliens and get into less friendly aliens. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I picked these two in particular because I think a lot of people for not necessarily my generation, but a little bit older than me, they would say E.T. is one of their favorite Q 
kids movies of all time and for me though i grew up and i was actually scared of et i was frightened of et in his fucking doll like it, it was I, a scary situation i've seen a lot of like stills from the movie and merchandise and stuff and i've been on the ride at universal studios but really yeah. until i saw this thing move in the movie I did not comprehend how ugly it is. <laughs> it was so ugly. Like I, like the one at the Universal Studios ride is, I think, a little bit rounder to hide some animatronic trickery. Yeah. And he's he's like actually like he looks like he's getting ready to wreck you in a rap battle, but he's pretty cute. <laughs> but the one in the movie is like bony looking. It is like, like greasy. He, lo- he looks like he looks like he's made of cartilage. Yes. And it, it's just yes. like oh. Like it's, damp, greasy cartilage. It's like uh, he's like a walking mildew stain. This yeah. is so strange. To start with, I feel like I should tell my ET story real quick, uh, oh, which boy. is I explained to my parents like the pitch for this season, and they were like, "Oh, that's cool. Like, what are you starting with?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, um, aliens and ET." And they were like, "Oh well, you've seen aliens." And my mom went on this like very detailed tirade about all of the times that they had watched aliens with me. And I was nice. like, that didn't happen. And she, she kept going and she kept going. And she was like, thought, I, th- I think she thought I was like being difficult on purpose. Yeah. And then this culminates in my dad, very nonchalantly looking up from his dinner plate and going, that was Christine. <laughs> Christine is my cousin who's 10 years older than me. <laughs> I hope they were not showing you aliens at that young age. But God no, this damn, is this is for ET. Oh, ET. Okay, okay. Yeah. But so uh, when I like went on the ET ride at Universal Studios, I remember my parents were like, "That was like a nice little like denouement to the movie. That was cute." And I was like, "Oh, that was a movie. Neat." Like <laughs> that. Oh, that's so funny. Like being someone. Who experienced the ride without even knowing what E.T. was. That's actually pretty wild. That pretty much happened for me in Terminator as well, by the way. Here we are again in in the (laughs) Catherine just monkey barred right past the 80s movies and into the theme park attractions. You know, the funny thing is, so E.T., just kind of in the zeitgeist, it was super popular, but they held on to the the VHS release for it for a while. And then also it wasn't something that was regularly like replayed on TV or cable. So it actually does kind of make sense that unless your parents kind of went out of the way to show you in like the two thousands that you wouldn't necessarily just caught it. So I can kind of see that. I also think that both of my parents, like because they were, instrumental in the upbringing of other kids during like peak et fever we're like all right enough enough with the alien boy (laughs) all right we're over it by the time i was born so like not only were they like not seeking it out anymore but they were like if we have to hear this fucking music one more time man like it's over and uh you know i respect it I think that this movie, though, falls into one of those buckets for me, a little bit like Mean Girls is another one that I think of a lot, where by the time I saw it, I had seen so much stuff about it and after it that watching it is a little... The mystique isn't really there. Yeah, and also, like, the effects have aged well, but not great. 
I was like, oh, this is a joke that Mac and me blatantly stole. Oh, this is a thing that they did in The Simpsons. Oh, this is a thing they did in, like, you know, Futurama. Oh, this is a thing they did here. Oh, that's what that weird scene in that one kid's cartoon from 2000 was referencing. Oh, like. And they did in Last Action Hero, too. Yeah, they did. And uh, I think I saw it too late. It wasn't bad. It didn't bother me. I didn't think it was as good as everyone else seems to. I gave it a, a solid four on Letterboxd. I don't know that I needed two very intense scenes with people being like, so is there an alien? Like, yes, there's a fucking alien. We all know there's an alien. Why are you trying to suddenly turn it into a mystery about if there's actually an alien? Okay. If, if the mom was like, there is no alien, what are you talking about? And she believed her son was hallucinating an alien to cope with the divorce. I would be like, all right, you know what? At least I get why they're doing it that way. Yeah. But the mom is just like, oh, there's an alien. Her non-reaction to her son coming back on Halloween with a dying alien. I was like, this is, all right. Like, my immersion is is destroyed and my day is ruined. Like, <laughs> I mean, you really, really expect me to believe that this woman who has been turned up to 16 this entire movie like, one of her kids sneezes at the wrong time, and I think she's going to break down crying, is like, oh, an alien. Cool. <laughs> well, her instinct was to protect her kids, though. Right. Wouldn't that involve putting the alien outside? I mean, do you want to touch it? Like, I mean, no, but you... I would have, you would have a reaction to it. <laughs> oh, and also, just to clarify, so was this your first time seeing it? Yeah. Ooh, doggy. Yeah, I I think I agree in the sense that you probably did catch it too late. I was someone who was scared of E.T. and I caught it way too early. So, <laughs> like, I, I also, though, it's really hard because I think I saw the, they did the theme park ride first because the world of the theme park ride is so lush and cool. You go to the green planet. And you go to, like, a party on the green planet because they're happy E.T. is back. And the planet yeah. is beautiful and so well designed. And there are so many interesting creatures that look like they're made of plants. And, like, it explains why they're interested in Earth because their planet is like a rainforest. But all of the flora is fauna and vice versa. And, like, it's really cool. And, like, this whole movie takes place on fucking Earth. On fucking Earth. In the suburbs. In the <laughs> suburbs of California. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't run out of Reese's Pieces or E.T. is going to kill him. That's the high drama of this movie. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> tell me more about the green planet. Justice for the flop glopple. What the fuck's up with Botanicus? Why is he in charge? I have so many questions and none of them were even acknowledged by the movie. Why does the theme park ride have better lore than the movie? Hilarious. They're fucking hilarious. I, you're the, I feel like you're the only person who wants the actual sequel of E.T. Or, the, or at least a prequel of E.T. to see what the well, fuck's going on. I just on. want some acknowledgement of the greater universe that clearly someone had thought of. Was it uh, Spielberg? Did he plan on... Did he do, have any involvement in the theme park? Explain mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, so he actually gives the intro where he explains that you are helping et to go home in this scene oh. and your motivation that's right and like right. i don't know if they have like producer roles for attractions or not but like he was involved he signed off on it 
So he he clearly cared. And the pre-show is not short either. He's like really like, all right, so this is E.T. He's a little alien. Little alien got to go home. He dying. And really oh, breaks it down for you. But also breaks down like the emotional beats of E.T. the movie, but also the emotional beats you should be going through in, a, in the ride. Yeah. So he's kind of directing you, which is pretty cool. And the very like old universal ride the movie is type slogan. <laughs> I, this is why I love you so much because I, I love your perspective on how well one your enthusi- your genuine enthusiasm about these attractions and these these different universes that these theme parks can build that you can get super immersed in and how that can be a true extension of what your filmmaking is, what your comic book making is, whatever. I love that you're like, fuck these suburban heights. Get me on this fucking planet right now. Yeah, like, I I don't know how to describe it except to be like, you know how every time they cut back to, like, inside the base and the people in Avatar, you're like, yo, fuck that, give me the blue people? Yeah. It's like that, except the movie never gives you the blue people. (laughs) and like maybe it would be different if i didn't know that it was there like if i didn't know that there was this like rich other lore i think then i'd probably just be bored it's a steven spielberg movie am i supposed to think oh my god is the kid gonna die no is the (laughs) alien gonna die no is the family unit going to suffer in any significant way No. no like (laughs) <laughs> yes, God, yes. Like I if 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 you've ever seen a Steven Spielberg movie, you already know this movie doesn't have stakes. You know the funny thing is the only Spielberg movie I can think of where the kid is even halfway fucked up is Minority Report. Yeah. But then three fourths of the way through the psychic girl she says that your kid is alive and he's well and it, it was like what like you you killed this steven, kid for two steven, hours steven spielberg will not harm a child even a fake he child he's not about to kill an adorable money-making alien either <laughs> even though greg has an et plush and it, it just looks uh-huh. like a middle manager like he just looks <laughs> like so tired he looks like a regional manager of like a fast food chain who like has woke up one morning and it's like jesus christ i'm 38 years old like fries again jesus (sighs) (sighs) like the actual figure looks like it's mid-grown yes i I fully believe you yo 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 quick sidebar Uh, it totally blanked my mind because i hadn't seen this film in a couple of years but the one kid in the Spielberg filmography that dies is the kid Alex in Jaws. Um, but again, that was from 1975. And we're going now a couple of consecutive decades strong without kids dying in Spielberg films. So the point that Kat made and I kind of backed up, it still matters and still makes sense. Uh, but again, low stakes for kids in Spielberg films. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is what it is. Back to the show. I don't mean to be like that person about this movie, but like if you didn't grow up with it and you know anything about Spielberg, <laughs> like besides the kids connection with E.T., which is good. And it is sad when they have to go go away. 
it sure is a Spielberg movie. It does all the tropes that people make fun of Spielberg movies for doing. I mean, it, it created it. So. Yeah, like <laughs> I do think ET is a. We're kind of talking about the age and even just kind of our experiences with the age difference in it. And I gave it a five star on Letterbox. And for me, like five out of five stars. I mean, I gave Showgirls five out of five stars, so that movie is extraordinarily flawed. But, <laughs> but I think for me, kind of the five starness of ET is obviously, you know, Spielberg is really trying to extract emotions. He's really trying to tell the story of this fractured family, children of divorce, looking just for love in this sort of, I mean, this this uncanny kind of being. And, you know, how how can a family come together and, like, you know, do what they got to do to get E.T. home or whatever. And I think the emotionality of it, especially for 80s kids who is seeing kind of this whole thing, just kind of reminiscing on what kind of was being like a kid of the 80s. And I do think, though, even beyond the 80s-ness of it, the score of this film, and I saw it in IMAX, so obviously the the this sound quality is phenomenal in IMAX and the John Williams score it is just fucking rings off it was I legit think that's probably the best part of this movie for me it sounds like so great necessarily perfect when they go flying off on the bikes you know it looks very rough it looks so rough <laughs> but I, I do appreciate even though he was like a little penis i do appreciate some of the animatronics that they pulled off in it the the puppetry not really animatronics in some cases but i think they i think he pulled off what he wanted to accomplish i would say I think that it is a really compelling story about what if the little kid who made up an imaginary friend to cope with a divorce, what if it was real and what if it needed your help? And like, I like that idea a lot. And I think that I agree with you. The score totally fucking rips. The score rips on the attraction too, by the way, on the attraction, you're on bikes. And when it lifts up the score starts and like i remember as someone with no attachment to the score being like wow (laughs) but i think it's because i grew up in a post et world and in a world where the spielberg tropes already existed i can't in good conscience give it a five yeah to use a similar example i was expecting when i watched casablanca to be bored by casablanca because it set the stage for so many other pre-existing tropes right yeah. And it doesn't do that. Yeah. And this this movie is not to me kids movie Casablanca. Ooh. I wish it was. It gets close. It gets a lot closer than I thought it would. But it is not kids movie Casablanca. Ooh, I'm thinking about that. I think I saw this when I was either three or four and I, I was scared shitless. Yes. Um, so I think the perfect age maybe about the five to six range if especially if you're getting skewing older than that 
if you skew older than than uh the kid then which i think he's about 10 ish basically if you go older than that then i think that's when kind of the disconnection starts and if you're in your 20s and not born of the 80s have no nostalgia for it uh you're gonna see everything the mask of nostalgia is not gonna blind you to some of the 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 faults of the film so I do think that if you're a little bit older, like I'd say maybe up to the age of the older brother, who I think is like 14, 15. Yeah. You'll be able to find stuff, especially if you have siblings. But as an only child, as someone who was like, none of these kids are going to get hurt. They're never going to be in real danger. (laughs) The fact that the kids are in get into as much trouble as they do in Jurassic Park is frankly astounding. When you think about all the other times that like Spielberg's kids like. Oh no, the scientist is going to let him go. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is the danger here? There is literally none. Yeah. When I was in a movie theater, I had kind of an interesting experience. There were people like openly weeping in, in the theater. And I wasn't taken aback in a negative way. I was just like, I have no clue who this person is. This is a total stranger. But I know this person is in my age bracket or maybe a little older, maybe a little younger and is completely taken back to a kid watching this film and being moved by E.T. getting rescued and, and E.T. even like potentially dying. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And in the role before me, it was a dad with three kids and they were legit like five, six years old. I think one was even four years old. And there was one kid in the first five minutes, he was like crying because he was scared of E.T. And then after that, he kind of settled down. But I was like, was this kind of real kind of amalgamation of a crowd? And I can see the little kids having the experience that I had when I was a kid. But then the person behind me that's crying, I understand where they're coming from, from the emotionality that they build with the film. So it it was a pretty interesting experience seeing an IMAX. I bet this movie means a lot to latchkey kids. Oh, hell fucking yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because I do think, like, in a way that sometimes post this Spielberg movies aren't, it feels very real. Like, it feels like this is what would happen if an alien did show up in your, like, suburban, recently broken up family. Yeah. And I mean that as a high compliment. Like, the fact that the, the sister is, like... For the first, you know, 15 minutes she's with E.T., all she's doing is screaming. And then she's <laughs> yes. like, oh, well, it's my dolly now. I hope that's okay. You know, and, and I like that aspect of it a lot. With the exception of the mom's non-reaction, again, that really it took me out of it so much. <laughs> she was scared. She was terrified. Yeah, she was. Kids. But I'm, I'm fascinated that her first thought wasn't, the alien made him sick. Get away from him, kids. <laughs> instead it's like oh my alien and my alien son is finally home like my alien son is finally home get out of here linda <laughs> she was kind of a hot mom though I'll give her oh that. my god the halloween costume Ooh. Uh, oh. Ooh. et was looking hard boy <laughs> he was looking well it's not even a he i don't think it's a, it's a it so it, it's a they they was looking hard and she was looking right <laughs> well i i just i i will just say though i was like oh okay we, we are having a full pan shot on the mom's legs okay 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 it's happening yeah, people um 
and Spielberg doesn't deal in sex either. Uh, that, that was like the closest thing we got to it in fucking E.T. I do think it's funny, though, because I was, like, watching this, and I was like, oh, if Steven Spielberg ever did, like, decide to do a little bit of sexy, a side order of sexy, it kind of seems like he could maybe pull it off. I mean, if you look at all the women that's been in his films, like, they're all baddies. Oh, yeah, but I do wonder if part of the reason, like, that they like to work with Spielberg is because he doesn't do that. Yep. Especially in the 80s and 90s. Imagine finding a director that's like, yeah, I just want you to play, like, a complex character who's doing her best in, in challenging <laughs> circumstances. Do, I promise do I have you would not look, be objectified. Do I have to look hot? Uh, no, you're pretty much wearing the exact same outfit the men are wearing and hiking boots. Oh, great. <laughs> Oh, so I'll be in the jungle running from dinosaurs, but I won't be in a bikini top. Oh, yeah, okay. you'll actually be in two layers. <laughs> no cleavage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your shorts are from Kirkland. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, man. a thousand times yes. <laughs> oh, man. So, other Spielberg films, from your, I guess, personal preference, what would you kind of say would be? your kind of top Spielberg films? And would this even fall into the mix of that? I'm guessing no, but let let right. me let you answer the question. Have you seen West Side Story yet? No, I have not. All right, cool. Good chat. But no, well, I know a lot of people thought it was, it fucking smoked though. Oh, it fucking smoked. It um, it's like maybe my, one of my favorite movies of last year. It's definitely up there. Oh, nice. Okay. My top five would be Jaws, Raiders, maybe Last Crusade, but I'm going to give that an honorable mention. Okay. Jurassic Park, Lincoln, West Side Story. Okay. Have you ever seen Close Encounters? Yes, but not for a very long time. Okay. I think I'm going Schindler's List. Like, I, I got to go number one Schindler's List. I think I saw it on a plane when I was like 11. Oh, well. Which is not, objectively yeah. not a great age for that, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, and on a plane, too. I can't imagine watching it on a plane. I got to do Saber Prior Ryan, too. Jurassic Park, personal favorite, Hook. After that, I would go Color Purple, Honorable Mention, Close Encounters, Raiders, and his segment that he uh, directed on Twilight Zone, which that movie is completely maligned for obvious reasons, but I did actually like his kind of his one piece of it, even though it was a magical Negro trope. Um, but I, I'll give that kind of an honorable mention shout out. Everything I read about that movie and about behind the scenes of that movie convinces me further show. that movie was a mistake and doesn't need to exist. A million percent. Like, that movie is fucking cursed. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere. Podcasts or streams. So, everybody, check them out. You know, The Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. Smell your latest sweaty marks. All right. Now, 
Now, I, I saw your three and a half star review of Aliens, and it just says James Cameron, man. <laughs> so <laughs> take it away, cat. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to preface this by saying that Alien Singular is, like, perhaps one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's still in my top five on Letterboxd. As it should be. Yeah, and I think this movie is really good. Like, three and a half usually means I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't life-changing, and it didn't light a fire in my soul in the way that, like, (laughs) uh, absolved me from, like, picking it apart while I was watching it. I should preface to say, yeah, the point of it was not that, but just as a follow-up to, I know we did talk about Alien, and I, I love Alien as well, but also to kind of just suppose, like, the one kid-friendly Alien movie from perhaps probably the most important American film director of our lifetime versus James Cameron, who, he's equally, he, he has importance, but it's, uh, in a very different way. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxson's character in this movie definitely kind of articulates that. Good. I'm ready, man. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. Yes, State of the badass art. You do not want to fuck with me. <laughs> I think they let him talk too much. But... <laughs> no, I love so much yo he's so bill paxton rest in peace to the god but he specializes in just being a douchebag it is so funny to me it's so funny to he me. to me is like like cinnamon okay. a little a little bit of cinnamon can add a lot to a dish too much cinnamon and it is all you taste <laughs> and we were definitely verging on all you taste is cinnamon paxton in this particular picture show but to start at the beginning with this i think that we kind of screwed the pooch by watching terminator 2 first oh really because i could not help but compare aliens to terminator 2 and terminator 2 it ain't (laughs) i think that terminator 2 was that first no he did aliens first correct yeah okay yeah so i think he took a lot from his experience making Aliens and used it to make a better Terminator 2. Yeah, five years later, I hope he would, yeah. But, like, I can see a lot of the fingerprints that Aliens then had on Terminator 2, including, like, how, even how things are lit. Yeah. And I appreciated that in a lot of ways. I really liked the first third. Okay. I really liked the, it's been 57 years. Nobody was there but you. Nobody survived but you. And according to the records, you blew up the ship. Kind of yeah. intrigue aspect of it. I like that they changed the the synthetic humans a little bit. And that kind of explains why they were like that. But also, like, makes it pretty clear that this person is not going to be like that. And I like, I like that. Yeah. I feel like for an action movie especially, it did a pretty good job of explaining a lot of stuff. Not in a way that felt like they were just like, all right, here's the packet of world building you got to get through. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So get after it, which I appreciated. I thought that was really nice. I think that the majority of the action is good. I do think that there's maybe one too many like action set pieces. The pacing of this movie (laughs) is all over the place. It's got more endings than (laughs) Return of the King. They land, and it's like, 
we did it. We're back. And then they're like, there's an alien on the wing of the plane. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I want to go home, James. Um, I mean, <laughs> got to kill the mother alien first before you go home, cat. But also, like, it was implied the alien queen couldn't move very much. And now she's holding on to the side of a fucking spaceship. Get out of <laughs> she, here, man. She detached her, her uterus or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, I, I didn't buy it. <laughs> And also, at the risk of sounding like a total asshole, those don't look like the aliens I fucking fell in love with. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're different. They're different. Why are different. they also like nodular and bony all of a sudden? What the fuck? Like, no, <laughs> no, bring back my aliens. I think that was part of the reason that I like even was like, oh, in aliens, right? Like, or alien singular. It's kind of like Mike Myers, right? Where there's like one of the bad guy and there's however many people are left and you're trying to figure out where he is and who's going to be next, right? Yep. And that doesn't really exist here. Uh, You're like, cool, maybe one or two of them is going to make it. I'm going to wager the kid's going to make it. I'm going to major Ripley's going to make it and one other person's going to make it. And so then it doesn't become like, how are they going to get out of this? It becomes, all right, how are they going to get killed? And, like, that to me is a much less interesting thought exercise than where is it, where is it coming from? Like, in this case, it's like a war, and it's like, ah, they're they're outgunned and outmanned, and also they're all uh, aliens that even if you shoot them, uh, them bleeding on you will kill you. So, yikes. And, like, there aren't really, like, stakes besides... All right, Ripley's got to get out because I know she's in the sequel, and uh, I'm assuming the only guy that's being nice to her is going to get out, and I assume the child is going to get out. Yeah. And I'm going to assume that the bad guy who sees the alien and goes, ooh, is going to get his ass (laughs) ate because of course he is. And not in the fun and sexy way. Yep, the movie delivered on that. (laughs) <laughs> it sure it sure did do that fine, but it yeah, didn't really tell. wow me with anything else. The thing that I like about Terminator 2, and I hate to keep comparing it to this, but I really do feel that it's like it's very rare. I think that you get two points on a filmmaker's filmography that are so similar. Terminator 2 is him going, all right, all right, watch this. I'm gonna take yeah. like Alien 2 and twist it just enough. That it feels new and fresh and, like, genre-defining while still making it fundamentally good at what the genre is. Yeah. And this movie is just a fine action movie with good pacing. I still like the aliens, even though, like, hashtag not my aliens, not my xenomorphs. (laughs) Hilarious. It's fine, and then it's over. It's fine, and it's over. (laughs) Kind of thinking about what you're saying as far as, like, the pacing. And I do think... Like you kind of said, the first third, I would kind of say even up to when they find the little girl, he does pace it like it is a horror movie and a little bit similar to the original, which he didn't direct the original. But I think he did a good job with that. But then there is a moment to where once they hit the the second level and then all the they find all like the, the nest or whatever, then that's when it kind of goes off to. We just got to get these kills off. So, and then that's when it can definitely lose 
someone who was kind of intact with the movie at that point. So I get what you're saying for that one. It's really funny because I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day and he was like, yeah, but the, like Alien's the only Ridley Scott joint you like, right? And I was like, no, no. Uh, the Martian is perhaps among my favorite movies of all time. Okay, cool. And he was like, that's the one you like? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. I feel that he is trying to do Ridley Scott in the first half and is trying to do Cameron in the second half. Yeah, it's actually... And they don't quite mesh. You know the funny thing is? This may seem like a stretch, but this is really comparable to Titanic in the sense that the first piece of it is kind of the building, kind of the the steady pace, Mm -hmm. and then... We have to get to a point where we have to start killing white people. So <laughs> so it, it, it kind of has that. So I, I, I see what you're saying as far as that. Uh, I would not argue against that. Also, another reason I did pick out this one in particular, as well as everything I already said, is because this is one of the better action films of the 80s that it, it was a slog of just shitty action movies. But even the craft of the set making, like we kind of talked about the first half, the build up, all those are there. And so there's other directors in the, in this decade who do not take this time to kind of craft the story, to at least build the characters before you get to the onslaught. Every other like, like shitty 80 movie, just death, death, death. But this one, you kind of get some of you get the build up before we get to the inevitable. Which is great, but I also, because it just is death, death, death in the back half, maybe this is me never being able to be satisfied or whatever, and that's fine. Call me whatever you like, but (laughs) I do feel that because it's just death, death, death in the back half, we don't really get any, in my opinion, character moments in demises in the way that we kind of do in yeah and that makes it feel like the whole first half kind of is like why like if if it's not even going to be interesting deaths like and i get i get that the xenomorph is an animal i get that you know like like michael myers just bits sometimes when he kills people like fine (laughs) bring bring back bits i hope halloween ends is just all bits I hope there's like three murders and it's all jokes, but it's not going to be, but I can dream. I totally get where you're coming from because even if you take Sigourney Weaver and we have like a movie and a half of her being good money. And then when we get to the action part halfway through aliens at the, the second half, the only thing she really says is get away from her you bitch and that's like supposed to be the line that's like oh yeah kick ass but you have to go through basically 50 minutes of just explosions and blood acid before you get to that one line yeah so i understand where you're coming from i do like the the final three that survive not including the synthetic i do like like when he gets sprayed with the blood in the elevator and they're working together to get the thing off like, I do, yeah. I have the armor off. I do feel like there's some really good, like, nonverbal stuff in there. But I also feel like as soon as that scene happened, I was like, all right, so he's not going to die. 
Yeah. We we know that now. They've had another team bonding moment. They've had like five now, and there's yeah. 40 minutes of this movie left. <laughs> yeah. And we know the kid's not going to die, and we know she's not going to die. Why are there 40 minutes left? Yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. I know you've not seen Alien 3, right? No. You know the funny thing is? That movie is panned, like, critically and commercially. Well, it made double its money back, but critically, it, it's like a 59% of Rotten Tomatoes. And I actually like that one a pretty decent amount. But I think it is because what you're talking about as far as, like, what are the actual stakes are concerned, I think 3 actually puts back the stakes in, in, in the characters. I don't know if I would recommend you go out of your way to watch it. Some parts are a little bit, I would say, gnarly. Not the killing, but, like, I would say, especially for someone I know you value time economy with your films, I think you would say it's definitely too long because it kind of is too long. But I think the first, like, hour of Aliens 3 is actually really good. And I think it actually kind of suffers from the same problem as this. The first hour is pretty good. And then the last half is we got to figure out how to kill Alien. And I feel like this one is like, we got to figure out how to kill Alien. She's big now. And the answer is <laughs> shove her out the airlock like the last one. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bigger Alien, smaller airlock, but still push Alien out airlock. Can she fit the airlock this time? Great success. Find out. Like, Find I, out. I did not feel that resolution was particularly satisfactory. No, I hear that. I hear that. Because it's the uh, same one. So now that you've seen Alien 2, what are your thoughts on the Sigourney Weaver portrayal of, of her character? What do you think of uh, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley after the second movie? Oh, I, I still think she's great. I think that she is... I get why the first three movies are centered around her. I think she does a really great job of portraying, like, what going through that would be like. Yeah. In a way that feels really realistic. And I think that, that she does a really great job of, of grounding the character. Which can be hard, by the way, in, like, any space movie. Never, never even mind an alien haunted house movie that also happens to be in space. I couldn't help but feel that I noticed a lot of the places where I feel like they took from her in the new Halloween series. In 2018, they were like, oh, what if Jamie Lee Curtis was Sigourney Weaver? And I really noticed that. I doubt it was on purpose, but I still, it felt very prevalent. Yeah. I think the thing that I like about it the most, if we're honest, is that, again, she trusts her gut, and again, she is right. Yeah. The whole movie is people going, no, no, like, stop being hysterical. And she's like, I will not, I'm right. And she is right. And because of that, <laughs> she survives. And the only other people that survive are the people that are like, she's right. Yeah. Rare is the day, especially in the 80s, where the plot of a movie is a woman is right and she is rewarded. I mean, she's only rewarded with her <laughs> life, but like given given yeah. everyone else was not, that's a that's pretty good. 
Yes, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. I, I do think that her character is still done pretty well in this in this second installment. Yeah, and I, I like the moments of tenderness with the kid because it feels like she's healing her own now traumatized like little kid. Because even though it's been like, you know, it feels like six weeks between the movies, it's actually been like 57 years. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's a different woman now. Would you want to wake up 57 years in the future from now? No. <laughs> Do you think the world's going to be the a, a thing? <laughs> the Earth is going to be a thing in 57 years? I got no. doubts. I got fucking doubts, man. Every once in a while, my dad will ask me questions like, what are you going to do when you're retired? And I'm like, unless I have evolved skills, nothing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who wants to do anything with retirement? Like, you're retired. But also, like, global warming, motherfucker. Like, what do you think I'm going to be doing? <laughs> like, will, will retirement be a thing when we can retire? Because no, I got because, some doubts. Because, like... The only viable place to live is going to be fucking Kansas because everywhere else is underwater. Like, no. A nuclear fallout state. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop filling your head with dreams, Peter. It's never going to be, like, retirement. It's really not. It's really not, man. You know, the funny thing is, I halfway want you to watch the first half of Alien 3 because it's, it's pretty bugged out. But... I think the David Fincher of all people directed Alien Three, and he actually kind of pulls it off, at least the first the first half of the movie. Um, I won't I'm force sure, you. To I'm watch. sure he does, and that also has a, what's her name in it, right? Winona Ryder. No, that's Resurrection. Oh, oh, oh actually, did you know there was a fourth Alien movie? Who's in Alien Three? There's the young girl with no hair, right? Sigourney Weaver is bald in Alien 3, but Charles Dance is in Alien 3, and he is... I've never seen him look that young, and he's like 46 in that movie. <laughs> but he's actually really good in that movie, though. I mean, because he's fucking Charles Dance. Right? Wow, she is the only woman billed in this movie. We really took two steps forward, because there's like two women in this one, and then like 18 steps back. There's a reason for that, which <laughs> I don't like spoiling anything. <laughs> the, the plot of it, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bug. Did they, like, holocaust all the women? No comment. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Cat at Cat underscore chinetti on twitter twitch instagram and letterboxd follow marcus at show in mad love s-h-o-w-i-n-m-a-d-l-o-v on twitter and letterboxd follow the show on twitter at cat and mark this podcast is executive produced by kellen conley and eric greenley thanks for listening we should do this again sometime this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Yeah!